Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Heart and Hustle podcast. I'm Joel Kiard. And I'm Charisma O'Keefe. And we're here on Thursdays talking to you about business, entrepreneurship, self-love, self-help, like just pretty much everything on earth that has to do with uh, running a business and being some sort of brand in the year 2021. Um, so yeah, there's a lot going on right now. I feel like every single week of this year, I, I'm still undecided if this year is like better or worse than last year. A lot of people just think it's better because like they're going outside, but they probably shouldn't be. Um, I think uh, they just announced that in central Florida, all of the hospitals are like, if not full, close to being full again. (laughs) So yeah. Illuminati and whomever else just trying to get us to believe in big pharma and make us put those stupid traps on our faces to keep us from being free the way God intended us to be. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, so it's definitely uh, concerning. Um, as of right now, um, it's just unvaccinated people for the most part who are, you know, getting Delta. But, uh, you know, the thing is, is that with the way that, you know, these things change, it could change. Like, I think a lot of people, that's why like some conspiracy theorists like think like, well, it's fake because it's different now. And I'm like, no, unfortunately, that's just how like these things work. I like, feel they like mutate. they literally tried to tell you this, like, please, let's try yeah, to run. Like, it. That's why they rushed they the that's... approval to get this out there because they tried to make it move because they were already for different variants last year like it's not brand new like it's not like it hasn't been mutating yeah exactly it's a like there's been so many different types of COVID in the past this is just COVID-19 is one that is like murders us basically but like so many of the other ones haven't affected us the same way or if they would affect us it's just that they weren't as easy to catch and that's kind of the issue with the Delta variant is that it's very, very easy to catch. You can catch it. Yeah, it's very contagious. As to minutes. So, yeah, that's definitely a concern. And like, you know, anybody that, um, you know, is dealing with like certain sort of sicknesses, illnesses, disabilities, etc., um, even if they are vaccinated, it's still a major concern that if they would get it, it would be uh, yeah. very rough. No, I know several people who are fully vaccinated situation. who've gotten it and they said it's terrible and why would we do this? They're not in the hospital, but they're like, I also yeah. didn't sign and up to were, be sick and are either. are like able-bodied, healthy people? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's so, the thing. It's like, I think a lot of people don't realize it's like, you can still get it. And like, I think that like, again, people that are like against the vaccine, they're like, oh, well, you know, you can still get it. So it doesn't even work. It's like, no, that's always like, we've always known that. Like that's always been how vaccines work. The goal is for you to not die. Right. So it's like, you can still get it and it can still be a very not enjoyable time. But if you're vaccinated and you're a healthy person, then you will probably live. It will just be very uncomfortable while you're going through it. Um, but if you, you know, unfortunately are dealing with a sickness or an illness, like a major sickness or illness, and even if you are vaccinated, it's, you know, it's unclear on how things will, uh, how things will work, how things will pan out. So please be safe. Please wear your masks inside. Um, please, you know, only be close to people physically who you can trust, who are going to tell you, 
if they've been exposed or if they've, you know, been out and about around a ton of people, just kind of keep, you know, keep your doing your due diligence and be safe because it's just literally not worth it for you to get sick or for you to make somebody else sick. It is not hard to wear a mask inside. I've been doing it this entire time. It is just truly not hard. Like you just put it on and you do your shopping and you go about your day. You're taking away my freedoms. Girl, people are going to think you're being real. Again, um, if if you're going to do it anywhere, I think that the grocery store is like one of the most important areas um, because everyone has to get food and groceries and that sort of thing. So just because you are vaccinated and healthy doesn't mean that every person that is going to that store has the same, you know, luxury of you do of being, you know, perfectly healthy. So please think about those people when you're going shopping and just try to be careful. Don't get your germs all over the place. Like just use common sense, you know, common decency. Um, I saw a family at the store the other day and all five of them were just touching all the things and just being gross. And it yeah. was not necessary. Please don't go back. Like, I feel like everybody's like, oh, we're going back to normal. So people started blowing on birthday cakes and things. Oh, and no. I just need society to stop like coughing in public sneezing without covering your or so somebody who sneezed and they covered their mouth with their hands and then they proceeded mm. to go touch their wallet and then they mm. proceeded to pay a cashier and i just mm. you guys i'm mean, like even if there was no demonic pandemic out here in these streets ripping and roaring these through the unvaccinated i feel yeah. like we learned so much about virality and like how germs are passed through so many cute cartoons and flyers and some that I had to make uh, that we should be better <laughs> about not touching our, our orifices and then touching surfaces and then touching other people. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, let's just, let's just be a little, wash your hands after you use the restroom. Do you know small, the people who are so excited to go back inside and use public restrooms, I need you guys to wash your hands while you're in there, you know, just small Things, but I mean, I we could talk about this for the next three years, and I don't think anyone's opinion's gonna change if people are people. So, best of luck to you, people who are trying to just do what you want to do. So, the Olympics are still happening despite everything going on, and they are still racist and still sexist. It will never change. Surprise to no one. Um, but I'm I'm really happy that at least like everyone that I know and everyone that I follow. Um, has been, you know, very positive about Simone Biles, like prioritizing her, you know, mental health, physical health, health in general, um, instead of, you know, not doing that and just whatever. Um, I haven't seen anybody complain about it. I'm sure that there's people that have, but I personally haven't seen it. But I feel like we also have purged and crafted our, like, experiences online to because uh, I see so many people like that. reacting. Yes, saying, people like, are very angry oh my about gosh, that. Like, I can't believe that you are saying this about her. You should be supporting her. And I'm like, who are you following? Same, I, same. I've not seen much like anyone you. say anything negative. Um, and I, to me, like to me, I I've been. I think that a lot of uh, Black women specifically, we've been affected by some of the decisions that are being made this year at the Olympics before they even started, right? Because we were all seeing like, wow, this is another place that we're not welcome. Not that I'm going to the Olympics anytime soon or ever, but it's like, it's just like another reminder of another place where we are not welcome. We are treated, you know, not with respect. 
Um, and so I think that like, it was already just like mentally to be a black person, specifically a black woman existing and hearing all of this stuff every day, something new racist coming out before the Olympics even started. Um, but I think that if you have people in your life who are saying negative things about Simone Biles right now, like they are most likely racist and sexist. Um, and there's just truly no reason for you to have people like that around. It's like, yes, different opinions are important, but that's a, just a trash opinion. There's just not really any other way to slice it. And that's not the type of person that you should have around and be following because it's just negative energy and you just don't need in your life. So unfollow them. Um, and then even like at this point, even if you are a white woman, like you've then seen like how the Norwegian handball team was treated. And so it's like, again, they just hate all women, like, but they really hate black women, but they just also hate all women in general. Um, the fact that they were literally fined for just being like, hi, we would like our butts to not hang out of these tiny shorts. Um, and they were literally fined for that just, just for wearing regular shorts. And I saw like um, a piece that somebody did where they compared like all of the Olympic um, women outfits to male outfits doing the same exact sports and how like the men would wear like pants or like appropriate shorts or whatever and how the women would like literally be in bikinis and not just for like um, handball but tons of different sports like the the outfits are vastly like just extremely different um, so that's just wild the fact that it's like 2021 and it's still an issue is like mind-blowing but I guess shouldn't be but it's just you know it just does not make any sense um and so, yeah, we really, the Olympics is just honestly like a whole mess. Like I've not, I've not like really enjoyed it at all this year. I've like, there's been those moments that it's been like, oh, this is really great because it means a lot to this one person, mainly if it was a black woman. Um, but outside of that, I'm just like, what a trash. I can situation. offer you like, guys so many fantastic stories because I genuinely don't believe in the olympic committee but i also feel the same way about usa sports yeah. <laughs> so uh typically on a global scale most of the like obviously usa gymnastics just as a point but usa like all of these different usa centric sports uh typically the olympic committees lean towards the first you know I guess the the more European, like the higher nations, people have more money. So I, of course, they're going to be in the interest of the nations that make the more money. So obviously, you're going to see rules and regulations and things that are more prioritized to fit the narrative of those people who have positions of power, who are usually rich or company, richer countries. So I just genuinely just plug and don't care and like whatever it is, it is going to be what it is because there are so many people who come from underprivileged places and spaces who like fight to get to these places or in areas and I think there's been an improvement because I feel like this is the first year I've seen many international countries that are typically like Sweden, <laughs> Italy, uh, some of these places in random sports there have been women of color and people of color in these teams which has never happened before and as somebody who's watched the Olympics religiously since 1996 I've seen a, a black woman in most sports in countries that are very European centric, or even some of the ones that are more uh, like in South America, for some reason, <laughs> you try to pretend that there weren't slaves brought to South America and a lot of those other countries that are not just Brazil, also having black people there. So I think there's a shift to that, but also just the stories of like skateboarding it took them so long to get to the Olympics and these kids are so incredible 
to scrape their bodies up for five hours to get these pieces of metal. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't really mean anything. Or surfing where a Hawaiian woman won gold, which is a big indicator because if you watch world championships in surfing, typically it has been Hawaiian people have been edged out. And so for a Hawaiian woman to go to the Olympics and win gold is a very big deal because surfing has literally stolen the sport and made it a, a white centric sport and has had you like people know Kelly's later face, you know what I mean? Like that type of thing. But you don't know the people who are indigenous to this area where people have come and moved and crafted their lives around this sport and gotten the indigenous people out of their homes. So I think there's just so many of those the uh, judo, uh, I forgot what weight class, but the French woman who won was a black woman and she won and she literally cried and hugged her opponent. And they like, it was like they won. They won together. They were crying together. Like they were so excited. How many times have you seen a black woman win a judo gold medal? Literally never. So <laughs> I think it just, it, the overall outrage about <clears throat> things are, are valid. Like having Megan Rapino obviously talk about cannabis who I, I love Megan, like that's a whole thing, but her having the privilege to, to speak about cannabis in the Olympics, but then Shikari Richardson absolutely being barred from the Olympics for testing positive for having THC in her system. Obviously that's an issue. The whole issue with both Naomi Osaka choosing to represent Tokyo and Japan over the USA was an issue. People were harassing her, even though she had just said, like, I have a whole mental health issue. People were harassing her, you know, representing Japan in the Olympics and writing articles about how Japanese is she. Her mother's Japanese. Why are we having a conversation? So that, like, there's so many, like, big negative things that are, are very much overlooking the small voices and the small stories and the small victories. And so I've chosen, chosen my time to highlight the people who are doing incredible things despite the odds being stacked against them of like also like you winning the gold and being the first black woman from France to win a judo gold is like craft like black people are not gonna celebrate that because they're so mad about the Olympics so I'm like okay well I'm not gonna negate these people's wins like Philippines getting their first gold medal in weightlifting and it was a woman that's a big deal so I just I'm choosing my that is how I'm personally choosing my for my Olympics time. I do not agree with anything 90% of the time in the sports world because it's usually sexist and racist and terrible. But the people who are choosing to do the work and like showing up and like ha- and having good experiences, uh, I feel like <laughs> I'm not going to negate their work either. And if they have cool stories, I'm like, yeah, you guys maybe know this person because they're never going to be on a Wheaties box. They're never going to be in that new commercial unless it is the Olympics next year. And they'll be like, oh, she won gold. Uh, You know what I mean? Like these people don't get the shine, even though they put all this work into it. And then there was also a conversation to be had about people were saying these countries that do pay out this money to send their athletes to the Olympics and they don't win. And then they have to go back and they're harassed and terrorized and their mental health is ruined. So I feel like the Olympics in in a general whole is such a bad event in in general. Like it's so wasteful resource wise. Like they built all these stadiums. There are no spectators. There's COVID rampant right outside the doors, you know, in these home countries, these athletes are going to go back to countries that are on lockdown because COVID, the Delta variant. So it's just like, at what point as a society do we decide that capitalism going on. making Ooh. choices for us is probably like let like it's not the move. Like we really did not need this Olympics. We didn't have to uh have it. Like it's not necessary to have these events, but for some and the Olympics is not the only global 
thing that's happening. Like, the X Games is happening at the same time. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? There's so many other global sports. Like, in the world, like, not the World Cup, but, like, a soccer thing is happening right now. Like, there's so many. Sports does not care about people. Like, just ath- athleticism is always going to be king in the countries. Like, that type of competitiveness. And so I think people are using the Olympics to spur that outrage, but I'm like, there are six to 10 other events happening literally right now that are equally as racist, if not more, because they're smaller and they get to go under the radar that are harder to get by. I can tell you that Philippine, Philippine women have a hard time at skateboarding events globally in the world stage, but yet 13 year Filipino girl got to skate in the Olympics. So it's just like, we got to figure out <laughs> if we're going to be mad <laughs> It, like you, you have the right to be mad. Do what you want, but also just know that this is like a larger problem, and there's so many pieces, and most of it stems from white supremacy. So no one should be surprised by this. And if you're not taking the time to like invest locally in some of the things that are happening in your area, like your local gymnast USA gymnastics like little gym, how can you help make sure that black girls are safe there? What can you be doing there? Because you complaining about Simone Biles not having a good day at Olympics is not going to... That Thank you. But <laughs> the other yeah. 75 gymnasts who got into gymnastics after Gabby Douglas got, you know, it was a big deal. Don't... That's not helping them because there's a Simone Biles in every state right now. Just so everyone knows, like, how can we make it safer for them? Like, and that's I'm glad why you're mad. Like but... It needs to be, like, an entire overhaul. Exactly. With, all, with everything, with... With the way the Olympic Committee works, with sports, with just with all of it, because I mean, you know, John used to be a football coach, and the things that I saw there on that high school level—it's you know—it's terrible, horrendous. Like rich, yeah. This is like you know, rich, like a richer school that he was at that had resources and blah blah blah, and just like like it was like for I guess if you're in a football situation, it was like the best football situation you could be in to be a student, but it was just like absolutely terrible and you know later on then we find out that the head coach is uh you know an abusive person which was no surprise to me um yeah like it came out and like you know it was a whole thing and like he hit his wife and there was like a whole investigation blah blah and I was like literally doesn't surprise me from everything I've seen like you know just with like practices and things like that so it's just yeah, it's not it's not a great uh, it's not a great time. I, I will say like he did one John did one season and he was like, I can't be here doing this. Like at one point he had a child who um, like a student who like they wanted to play. And John was like, no, he has a concussion. I think he has a concussion. Like I'm, and so like the coaches got into an argument. But John was like, I'm not let like, no, like I refuse. Like I will take it over your head. Like we're not putting him back in. Turns out the child did have a concussion and had like a brain situation, had to have surgery and like, like later came back and was like, told John, like, thank you for saving my life. Cause if I would have played, like the doctor told me, like I would have ended up dying. So I'm just like, just things like that. And that happen all the time that like the sport is put above the athlete on every level. If they're putting, if they're doing that, like in high school, then obviously on the Olympic level, they're going to be putting the sport above. Yeah. I mean, it's even in peewee leagues and little leagues. Like it starts, it it starts with your three-year-old and t-ball practice. Like it literally starts so young. And so I get the global internet's response and like being outraged, but I'm like, y'all don't, you could walk down the street to your local park, 
go to a kid soccer game and see the little brown kid, the little black kid getting the same treatment that Simone Biles is getting right now. Sitting on a bench, not being called, not being included, being excluded, especially in a suburban area or how black teams, when they travel, the discrimination they face when they go to other places or like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's a, it's an issue. Uh, Kudos to Pink for paying Kudos to Pink for yes paying that, for paying uh, off those the, fees. The fine so that that's what you do with your money. Yeah, do something like cool with your money if you have money. If you have time, do something cool with your time. If sports is your thing, if that's your your uh, mission and then your ministry. Yeah, because the same people are gonna go watch like the. My issue is also like people are gonna then go off and we're gonna watch listen college football season starts and everybody's like it's rooting for your team or whatever and I'm like most of the dudes that are players on college football teams uh get away with so much sexual assault so much domestic abuse in the nfl so much in the nba you know what i mean like at what point are you gonna choose is this the you i'm not you're not wrong but you can't say that and then 10 weeks from now like be talking about how the lakers are like i just i don't it's so disingenuous to me so that's why i'm like for most of the it social is, media, you're 100 right. I do I think just that a do lot not of the care. times it's like you see people posting about this, and then they'll go support like they were supporting FSU when that rapist was running around. I'm you like, know? what are we? Let's let's not. Yeah, it's 100 true. Please, do you, if you have a team like like as a human being that enjoys sports, I do not want to hear about your opinions about the Olympics because nine times out of ten, somebody on that team is a terrible person and you will forgive it anyway if your team it's wins. It's really so wild. Like, these it's teams, wild. These, these, like, national football teams we got here with, like, literal murderers, rapists, <laughs> like, this straight up. I'm just like, this is why I really, it's hard for me to get into sports because if you like one player or one person, it's like then the other person on their team is probably – you know, punch their girlfriend on camera and everybody saw it and just like acts like it's fine. So it's very hard for me to under like stand that world. Um, and it's just not really my thing. But if it is your thing, please make sure that you're like, like you said, people need to be making that change across the board and, and making sure that there's safe environments across the board and supporting, you know, minorities across the board with it and not just like when it's a hot button issue. Yes, liberal problems. So let's move into our topic today. So we're going to be talking about five steps to take after one year of business. We get a lot of questions about like, okay, I've started my business. I'm kind of, I still kind of feel new. I kind of feel lost. I don't know what to do. I've been in it for like a year, but I'm not feeling that, you know, that comfortable pacing yet, which is fine because it takes a minute to get into it. So we want to just talk about some steps that you can take after you've been in business for about a year. And these are things that you should probably review and do like after each year of business and it'll get easier to do so and you'll get more comfortable with these steps um, in that process and in that time. So the first one is kind of an easy one. Um, It is perfecting your elevator pitch. Um, And by that, I mean, if someone comes up to you and is like, oh, what do you do? You should be able to tell them clearly what you do without like getting confused or flustered or even like over explaining that sort of thing. A lot of times when people are new to owning a business, um, it's really hard for them to just simply explain what their business does. But it's really good for you to be able to explain it to anyone because you literally never know where your next like opportunity, your next customer, your next client could be coming from. So make sure that you clearly know the problems that your business solves um, because at the end of the day, that's really how you get people in the door. They have an issue and your business solves that issue 
what is that issue? Um, and know like when someone is just asking casually or like when you can maybe share a little bit more information because it's somebody who, um, you know, again, could, could have an opportunity because that happens. I can't tell you like when you're out and about meeting people, meeting like-minded people, how often it happens that you might meet someone who ends up being, you know, someone who could be an investor later or someone who's just going to be like, a client that buys a lot from you in the future and that sort of thing. So basically after a year of like working in your business, cause right, you want to have your elevator pitch before you really like really even start. But after a year of doing it, you should be able to kind of perfect it and tweak it to where you're really comfortable with it. You know, your brand, you know, the mission of your brand and your business, and you should be able to discuss it comfortably at any time. So if you feel like you're very far from that and you've been in business a year, that's something that you really need to sit down and actually work on, get out a piece of paper, get out a pen, write out a little script for yourself and just start practicing it with friends and that sort of thing until you feel comfortable. Even going, I mean, not right now, depending on where you live and, and the safety, but going to um, you know networking events or even going to a virtual one where you can just get a chance to do that pitch over and over again and get comfortable with it and kind of essentially practice it. Um, because you want to be able to know your business in and out and talk about it at any time and be confident when you're delivering that information. Yeah. If it's too complicated to explain it, then usually that typically means your services or what you're trying to attempt to do is too big and you need to scale it back, especially from the beginning. Um, so that's definitely an issue that most people come into when they are choosing to write <laughs> their whole uh, elevator pitch or to practice it is that they get into this whole thing. And they're like, oh, I only got 15 seconds. How can I do it? And it, genuinely, you'll find out that maybe the services that you're offering probably aren't all the things that you need to offer. So just being able to, again, get your point across very vividly in 15 seconds. A lot of our guests do that very easily when we ask them yes. to describe their brand. So I would definitely check out any episode with a guest, but especially major of um, Eat Project Pop Hurt. Elevator Pitch was very concise, very like, you know, way to go. And so that's what you really want when somebody's asking you, what do you do or what is your business about? Yeah. I think that if like a lot of people, when you have like a really like an answer that's really long and complex, a lot of times looking at we provide solutions for, um, that's often a good way to word things. Because again, you want to talk about like, what is it that you do to help? Right. But yeah, I think at this point we've had, I mean, obviously we haven't had somebody from every industry on earth, but we've had a lot of industries on these past five years. So you could probably find somebody who does exactly what you do or something similar and listen to their pitch because that's pretty much what we get from that first question. And that's, again, that's why it's so important to know because what if you're asked to be on a podcast, things like that. And if you can't clearly state what it is you do, you know, then it's just going to be really complicated. And I think a lot of times I find people that online that I'm like, this person's interesting. Maybe I want to have them on as a guest and that sort of thing. But a lot of times people are so, they have such a challenge explaining what it is they do that it's not clear and it makes someone move on to the next person whether it be for you know their shopping needs or whatever it is because they just can't really figure out what it is you do and a lot of times maybe that would be a person who'd be a great client for you um, but because they can't figure out what you do they end up moving on so make sure that you have you know really uh, perfected that elevator pitch to the best of your ability. And, you know, communication is a very important part of business. So that's going to be your number one thing. Number two is review your finances. Um, so if you've been in business for, you know, an entire year, you've probably made some money and maybe you're paying yourself. 
Uh, maybe you're not. It just really depends on your particular business and your model and where you're at. But you need to, if you are paying yourself, ask yourself, are you paying yourself enough? Should you be paying yourself more, less? Uh, is it at a good place? Um, are you making enough to run your business for a long time? Um, do your prices reflect, you know, the market that you're currently in? Are you, should you maybe raise your prices? A lot of times you get into a, a new market and you find out very quickly, like, yeah, actually it's a lot easier to sell on this level than I thought I actually should be, you know, charging a lot more. Maybe you get into a project and you're like, wow, this project is way more demanding than I anticipated. I had to bring in lots of extra people and pay them and ended up just breaking even. So I really need to raise my prices to reflect the type of work that I'm doing. Um, so yeah, finances, I feel like it's one of the most important parts of it because I feel like a lot of people don't want to look at it. And a lot of people will do this thing where they'll have another business, like they'll have another job and they have their nine to five essentially. So it's like they're doing their nine to five, they're getting a salary, they know how much they're making, they're doing their business on the side, they're enjoying doing their business, they love the work, but maybe their their finances are like a mess and it's like scary to them. So they just don't want to look at it. I can't tell you how many people I've known who've been in business for like, you know, six months, you know, plus who will say, I don't want to look at my finances because it's scary. Um, and so if your goal is to move from having a nine to five to, you know, running your business full time, that's not going to happen unless you address your finances as scary as it might be. Um, because it's just, it's, you know, that's not going to work. Uh, so yeah, ask yourself those questions and kind of assess like where you're at with your finances and, you know, possibly sit down with a professional if you're having any issues with it to kind of sort things out before you get further into business. And again, this is something to do often, at least yearly, because inflation happens, prices change, what you should be paying your employees will change, what you pay yourself changes. Um, so finances are always going to be a part of what you're doing when you own a business. And if you don't like numbers, it's like, it's just something that you're going to have to accept that it's going to be a part of it. I'm, I don't love numbers. I'm definitely like, that's like math was my least favorite subject in school. Um, and I wish that I didn't have to deal with the finances in my business. It's like the most boring part, but you got to do it, you know? Um, and for the nonprofit, I have to have a big financial meeting with like multiple people every week. And it is the most boring meeting of my week, but again, you've got to do it. So get a good handle on it now and make sure that things are going well so that you can be profitable for years to come. Yeah, I think typically this is why it's good to invest in an accounting system that works that actually can run reports for you. Because honestly, you should be looking at these numbers every month. You should be putting that information in uh, every week as it comes in. But if you cannot and you're just using an invoicing uh, software, then you need to get a spreadsheet, which there's so many free templates available that where you can put in how much you spent, how much you spent or made, how much you spent on supplies, how much time did you spend on the project? Did you hire contractors? What was it, this thing that you were using? Because you need to know those fine detail numbers as you go on, whether or not you're going to get investors or not. Like you cannot pitch investors not knowing your numbers. Number one, you don't go into a meeting without knowing how much it takes cost to do something or how much it costs to make something as if you have products. So you definitely need all of that information written down so that you can be smarter and make better choices and also start forecasting because after your first three months or after your first year, you get an idea of what your ebbs and flows are if your seasons and how you can be proactive and not reactive if you know a slow season is coming up. Yeah, that's incredibly important because I think a lot of people don't realize that depending on when you start, 
you know, you might be in season for you and things might be going well. And then the next season, oh, you know, you're not bringing in as much. So definitely make sure that you're prepared for that. Um, because I, I think for most industries, that's going to be the case. Yeah. I mean, everyone has a high, low, whatever, but you're able to then pivot and make that money up by doing something. So if you have products that are obviously like, I know a lot of my friends did Christmas and July sales because July is really slow for them. Uh, and so that helped. You can sell all this Christmas inventory that you did not sell last year, A, but also B, introduce your market, get them engaged and excited about the new, the big season that's coming up. Um, so it's a win-win. So then you don't go through July like at a negative, like, you know, you can make some of that money up. You may not be as big as your December or your November or your October, but it can be pretty substantial compared to your other July where you may not make, but like 10% yeah. of that in income. So you just need to have your reporting so you can make smart choices. All right. So the third part, third step is revisiting your business and marketing plan. So hopefully if you um, have been in business for a year, you already have a business and marketing plan. Hopefully it's something you worked on at the beginning of your business. Um, So now is a good time to review it. Look over it. Did things go the way that you thought they would go? Probably not. Possibly not. Um, Did things work out? What worked? What didn't work? Um, And what improvements can you make to your plan going forward? Um, Again, a lot of people will have certain times, maybe they visit this monthly or weekly or yearly um, throughout the time of owning a business. It really big changes for people. Um, Sometimes people completely rewrite theirs after a certain amount of time. That's common. It's, you know, definitely not unheard of. Um, So it doesn't mean you need to rewrite it every year, but you definitely need to check it out and say, uh, is this working for me? Especially if you're pivoting to have different services or different products or or whatnot, or if you're hiring people on um, and taking on those responsibilities. I definitely think that a marketing plan too is something that you should be looking at often um, because how we market, I mean, it changes so much because of social media. So those changes are, you know, they're always happening and we don't really control um, when the new changes are implemented. So for right now, for example, if you have a massive Instagram following, but you don't really have a presence anywhere else and you really rely on Instagram to bring in all of your customer base. And now they've done this switch to, you know, they're not calling themselves a photo only, uh, you know, platform anymore. And they're more focused on video. If you've not been doing video at all, then you're probably going to want to revisit that marketing plan and add in some changes that have to do with adding video into what you do. Or maybe you want to diversify and, you know, start working with influencers or doing direct mailers, whatever it is that's going to work for your business. But just make sure that you're going in and checking um, that periodically because, like I said, social media keeps us on our toes and is constantly evolving And there's not really all that much that anyone can do individually to uh, stop it from changing. Because I know a lot of people are freaking out about that new change. A lot of content creators are are a little bit stressed about it. Sure. (laughs) I feel like if you're younger and you did start your, you know, your, your situation on Instagram, I could see why it'd be stressful. But I feel like the old people yelling at clouds have kind of been trying to tell you guys for a very long time to have websites. And yeah. but you, a lot of people don't. That's I mean that's you've chosen to for it. So I guarantee there are people listening now that don't because I personally know Girl, so many most people, of them don't. <laughs> I know. I personally know so many people that have really big followings on Instagram 
like really, really, really good, really engaged followings and they put out amazing content and they do not have websites. I actually have a friend that I'm about to uh, be working with here pretty soon to help her get organized with her website. But she has, you know, a following of like 35,000. It's a very engaged following. She gets sponsored content all the time. She does this for a living. You know what I mean? Like she completely, you know, um, lives off of her influencer work and she does really, really well financially with it. But because of some of the changes that are happening, it's like, it's very concerning that I've been telling her to get a .com before her account even blew up from, you know, cause just cause I saw that the content was really good. And I was like, you probably have some longevity in this. Like you need to get your name and everything now. So I did convince her to at least get her name back like a few years ago. So that's good. So no one can else can get her, you know, .com. But yeah, she still does not have an account or she just still does not have a, um, a website. And I think a lot of people, they think like, well, if I can get away with not having a website and just like do it on social, like it's just easier and they just don't want to be bothered with it. Um, so yeah, so I, you know, I think that we're going to see a lot of people the second half of the year, uh, scrambling to get a site up for sure. Uh, bless you guys. Uh, I'm so sorry, but yeah, I mean, there's so much to be said about having plans in general. And I think what happens is people get really overwhelmed and then they're, they just don't, they're like, okay, well, I don't want to do it. I just want to do it. Or if you have something that works that formula works like having an Instagram for instance works. And so you're just going to do that and you, you, you pit, that's what you do until it doesn't work. And so that's why we're trying to tell you to have and revisit your plans often and be sure to have strategies to pivot because things don't always work. Algorithms change stuff happens in the world. There's a whole pandemic. If you had a in-person, you know, a meetup every month to sell your, your services, you had to pivot, you know what I mean? So just, be prepared to pivot in your first year. I think that's the most important thing. Learn uh, and write down information and make sure that you're consistently making writing that stuff down so you know what happens. So if you do events, what are your takeaways? I'm like, I'm, I'm pausing because I have to edit all of a uh, <laughs> You know, uh, what are your takeaways from the events that you were at, did you spend more money on your booth and your situation or whatever you're entering to get to that event? Was that a good event? Then write it down so you know not to do that next year. Just be smart about your choices. And you really don't have to struggle as much as you should, as you as some of us did, because this information is very readily available. And it really, 90% of it's free. Most people I know who have started businesses who've been like, very successful early on in year one have been like, I just Googled everything. They didn't take a single course. They didn't hire a strategist. They didn't sit down with the team. They just got to google.com and they were real savvy at Googling. So use your Googles, the power. A lot of this information is out there and the people who create content like blogs, that stuff lives forever because a lot of that information and that, mm-hmm. that advice is timeless. So it really is. Um, All right. So the fourth step is going to be organizing and preparing for your upcoming year, for your second year of business. So, you know, you've had your first year of business, you've gone through, you've made it through. What can you do to prep for the following year? Looking at your plan, your business plan, your marketing plan, what kind of, you know, preparations can you make to make your second year of business easier, um, make it a better year for you? Were there any mistakes that you made last year that you can completely avoid this year? Uh, definitely, because we've all made mistakes. There's no way you're 
you're running your business and not making any sort of mistake at all. So every single time you make one, that's an, a great um, opportunity to say, okay, what can I do to do this differently? So that I'm not running into that problem next year. Um, and then how can you prepare, you know, for curveballs the best way that you can, there's always going to be things that happen that you're not going to know about, but you know, there's ways that you can definitely prepare um, just in case. I think like, you know, a lot of people this year have seen the shortages that people have had with trying to get certain supplies and stuff. If you're like a maker, a crafter, that sort of thing. Um, or even just if you have products in general, uh, it's been hard for some people to get certain supplies. So it's like, if you know that, and that wasn't really something you were prepared for in 2020, now in 2021, I mean, we already told you a few weeks ago, if you listen every week, we said, go ahead and start ordering those things now. Make sure you have the things that you need for holiday now, um, because there was a huge shortage last year and there's a good chance that there could be next year. So that's how you just kind of get ahead of things and make your life easier. Just kind of remember, well, what did I go through already? How did that go? What can I do to make sure that, that doesn't happen again or to make that easier on myself? So yeah, learn from your mistakes and keep organized and keep prepping for your second year so that that year is easier and even better than the first. I keep pausing because of thunder. It's very stormy outside. <laughs> uh, yeah, I definitely think learning, like I said earlier, learning from mistakes is going to be key into continuing on. And most businesses, obviously, they don't make it very long. A lot of people realize it wasn't for them. They check out. They're like, nope, no, thank you. But if you do make it as far as year one, or you're getting towards like your 10, 11 month mark, that is the time to sit down and, and really reflect on what you did beforehand and what you want to do moving forward and what do you need to change and what you need to pivot. So love it. So the fifth step to me is one of the most important. And this is a step that a lot of people will not do for years when they open a business because they're like, I'm in straight up hustle mode all the time. And I'm just not going to even think about this. And especially if you start a business young, like young people, there's just, you just don't stop, right? Like you'll have like another job and you'll be running a business and then you have a side hustle on top of that. And you're, trying to balance your friends and you're dating somebody and you're going on trips and just doing all the things, right? So this is something that you should do no matter what your job is, no matter if you own a business or don't, no matter what you're doing, you should do this more than every year, but definitely look at the year in review as well. Um, and so that is to do a physical and mental health audit on you. So how do you feel? Are you feeling okay physically? Have there been things that have popped up physically this year that you know that you can do something about to make better whether it's you don't have a lot of energy or you're feeling stressed or you know anything like that is there something that's going on physically that you can make some decisions and um, be healthier how are you feeling mentally are you feeling like you know you're able to maintain your stress level do you feel like your stress levels are at a healthy level have you found good ways to deal with stress um, are you feeling depressed are you feeling you know how exactly are you feeling take stock in that and make sure that you're aware of, you know, how you're processing things and how are you feeling emotionally um, or spiritually? If you, if you feel spiritually, um, how are you feeling that way? You know, um, literally breaking down every part of you and just kind of checking in with yourself and, and being like, how do I feel today? Cause you, you know, so, so often we take care of our businesses and we'll be in every little nook and cranny of our business. It's like, okay, we're over here in the marketing department. Now we're over here in the finances department. You know, now we're over here checking on the social media part of the marketing department. And now we're, you know, looking at the taxes and 
all these different things, we need to do the same thing for ourselves and make sure that we are 100% okay and checking out all these different parts of us and just making sure that we are, you know, being as balanced as we can be, as healthy as we can be, and then making the changes if necessary. A big thing for, you know, if you are working from home for the first time, if you're maybe working alone as a solopreneur for the first time, are you eating lunch? Because let me tell you, for years, I was just not eating lunch. I would forget to eat lunch. Dad would come home and be like, did you eat today? That, like for a long time, that was always the first question. And he walked through the door and be like, you know, do a hug and a kiss. And then it's like, did you eat today? Because I would just forget to eat. I would just be so into the zone and like be working and not remember to eat food. So things like that, are you eating balanced meals? And then also, are you getting enough sleep? Are you knowing when it's time to turn the computer off, when it's time to walk away from your inbox and say, I need to get X amount of sleep for the night. And, you know, I, I say adequate because, you know, everybody has a different amount that they function on. And you know where you function at your best and you know where you function at like what's acceptable. Um, the Rock like sleeps for four hours every night and he seems pretty healthy. Like I'm not a doctor, but I'm just saying like he seems pretty healthy. He seems like he has a lot going on. He's got it together. He sleeps for four hours. For me, that would not work. That is not going to work. I need to sleep for eight hours, but or at least seven. But for him, that works for him. So you know your body you know, check in with your body and make sure that you're getting the sleep you need, make sure you're getting the meals that you need and that sort of thing. But yeah, if you need to make changes, make those changes and make sure that you're checking in with yourself, you know, often. I think that it's great to check in all the time. I try to check in with myself daily to be like, where are we at? Are we good? Um, but looking back at that year in review and also like paying attention to like, you know, certain things that were going on with your business, how are they affecting your mental health and physical health? Is it a situation where, you know, when you're going through your busy season, was that where you were feeling a lot of burnout? You know, when you were going through, you know, a slow season, were you feeling depressed? Like things like that to notice. Um, and just also physically, like I know from being a wedding photographer for so many years, like physically being a wedding photographer can be challenging. And definitely like you need to like essentially work out to be able to like carry all your equipment. <laughs> so that's something that like during off season, I would make sure like I'm still working out and everything because I wouldn't want to get to season and have to carry my equipment for like 10 plus hours and not be physically ready to do that. Um, so just make sure that you're, you know, being aware and looking at the year as a whole as well as like what can you do to be at your healthiest, both like physically and mentally. Yeah. And I think if you're one of those people who require accountability, looking for an accountability partner early on, yes. uh, if you can find a mentor, that's something that also will help you kind of find what needs to work. Because what happens with burnout, like we've talked about, I think we talked about last week, is that you get to the point where you're in it and it's too late. Like you, you, when you feel the signs, you're already in it and having someone who's more tenured can see you and see the signs in you and say, hey, you are not going towards a good place. You might need to scale back or do something else or figure out what can we do to pivot away from this because you're going down a harmful road. So because a lot of times, especially as a new entrepreneur, you have no idea what you're doing. And so you just want to make money. Let's be clear. Most of the time. And so you're just going to do what you need to do to make that money. And most of the time it's at the expense of you as a human being, your body, your mental health. And as we've talked about, you know, the past year and a half or this whole discourse with Simone Biles and with Naomi Osaka is that the past year and a half has been mentally exhausting enough alone. 
without being a person of color, without being a woman, without being an athlete, without going to the Olympics, without going to Wimbledon, that alone for normal, every human being on this earth has experienced something that was traumatic and a large trauma that we're still being forced to live through while we have never been able to have downtime to deal with the effects of it. So we've been dealing with that. Now add on the fact that who you are as a person or you're an entrepreneur, et cetera, you're every day, you have to make money. You're now the sole keeper of how you eat and make money, that type of thing. If you have family, you may have a partner who's not working. You may have to be the sole provider. There. So just all of that stress and anxiety weighs on you and it creeps up on you and it, it takes you out, takes you down. And a lot of times you don't think about having the time to go for a walk breathe deeply, meal prep so that you're not eating trash, you know, every day or chips or not eating at all. You know what I mean? And a lot of times, like you said, you didn't eat lunch. Nine times out of 10, there was no lunch for you to eat. So you didn't have time to step over your computer and make lunch. Like that's not what you're doing. That's honestly like, that was such a big part of it. And when I started working with the nutritionist, like I was so blessed to be able to finally make enough money to uh, make an investment like that in my health. And that was one of the big things that my nutritionist was like, you've got to either you make the food ahead of time or John makes the food ahead of time and puts it in the fridge for you. Yeah. And that's, that's what John does now is puts the food in the fridge ahead of time because I unfortunately am not great at prioritizing it. So it has to just already be in there and be something I can take out and just eat. Yep. Pretty much. So I, I think all of those things, I feel like it's really hard year one to, to take time to do those things, which I get, but the small things, maybe if you say I'm going to walk, for 10 minutes at the end of every hour during my work day, or I'm going to work for four hours, take a break, work for, you know, just find something that works for you where you can physically find the balance that you need because everyone's body is different. Everybody's working style is different. Everyone's business is different. Everyone's demands and needs are different. And so you have to adjust to how you are and paying a coach most of the time is not going to help you with that. Like straight out the bat, like it really is you needing to experience that first year to get to the point where you can then approach somebody and say, hey, I need help with time management, or you can specify the thing that you need help with, or you need a trainer, I need help with trying to work out, I need a nutritionist, I need help with trying to eat, I need a the mental uh, therapist, I need help dealing with my thoughts, that type of thing. But a lot of those things, you if you try to find that all in like a one person, it's not going to work. You really need to, to figure that out. And that's what we talk about, documenting your process, documenting your year, this is why a lot of startup founders are very open and sharing on social media or blogging about their use. So they can go back and look at the things that they did. It's not even just to share the information. It's really for them to be reflective and say, what can I do to shift and pivot? What worked, what didn't work, et cetera. So yeah. do Love all it. those things so you can uh, continue to exist as a human being. And it's okay if you get to, <laughs> you get six months in, you're like, this sucks. I hate it. I'd rather not. Don't do it. Yeah, one hundred percent. Go back to work, that's, you guys. Like that's that's, that's why it's so important it. to like to think about things from a mental standpoint and not just with your business because your business and you are are tied together. But it's important to like say, how do I feel? Not just oh, even if your business is running great, your business can be running great and you could just still be like, yeah, this is trash. I don't like it. Yeah, or if so, it fails, you don't make any money. Guess what? Go back to work. If failure right? happens. Yeah. Everyone fails. I don't know why we hate that word. I don't know why we're ashamed. I don't know why we have stigma around failing. But literally every entrepreneur has failed. We literally all failed. And not just even every entrepreneur, but all people. All people have failed at something. So guess what? Your business failed. You made no money. Whatever. Move on. Do something else. Do another business or 
go back to work and then think about something else that you may want to do in the future. If you're still interested, maybe invest in another person's business and become an investor that way. So you can kind of be behind the scenes. You just, it's okay to fail. It's not the end of the world. It may feel bad. I'm not saying it's going to be excited to know that something didn't work out the way you had hoped it would. You're okay to go through those motions, but you shouldn't feel ashamed to say this failed, this did not work for me and I'm moving on to do something better for myself. Cause like we talked about, you need to prioritize yourself and there's no point of like living in your car cause you're trying to sell fidget spinners on, you know what I mean? Like just figure out what works and then just know when it's time to, to pack it up and say, okay, this is not going to work. Yeah. And just because something doesn't work doesn't mean that something else won't in the future. Like if you're the type of person that like, let's say you're like, I really want to be an entrepreneur, but, and you know that that's the goal, but like, you're not really quite sure, like what it is you want to do. Like doing that first thing that you do and it doesn't work, doesn't mean that you can't have a a plan and a goal that's completely different that might work in the future. And then if there's something you love, like say that you, you know, you do hair and you really want to like own your own place, but doing the hair is what you love. And you're just like so passionate about it. And you try to open your own place and it doesn't work. Like, doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with going back to work at, you know, someone else's shop, because at the end of the day, you're doing the thing that you love, which is the hair. So just kind of keep that in mind going forward that it's like at the end of the day, like if physically and mentally, you know, anything from step one through four is, you know, like trash for you physically and mentally, then something is off there. Like that's really of everything. Like that's the most important thing is to make sure that you are okay at the end of that first year. Um, because if you're not okay, I'm telling you from personal experience, like you, you will suffer and your business will suffer going forward if you're not taking care of yourself, uh, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally now. Um, so learn that early in your business if you learn nothing else. Yep. So other than that, if you guys have any tips or tricks or things that you've learned in your first year that we did not talk about, you can obviously send those in to us on Instagram at Heart Hustle Podcast, on Twitter, Heart Hustle Pod, using the hashtag Boss So Hard, tag some stories, send us DMs. Tell Don't us all about to your first rate year. And review because we love that. If you have time to do that, we really appreciate those rates and reviews. So keep doing that. We have to do um, we have to do some giveaways this fall. If we're allowed to. <laughs> I'm like, the way the society is in the big plundering ball of fire. If, if society's not burning on fire yeah, and we're so not like not under military rule because Florida is out of control and we get taken over by <laughs> the federal government, then maybe we'll be able to send you guys something. I, I'm going to speak into existence that it's going to be, I'm not going to say it's going to be better, but I'm going to say I think it's at least going to be maybe the same. that's that's my optimism so maybe in fall it'll be the same and so we will send we'll do like some you know if you've left a review or something then maybe we'll hold like a little i don't i don't think competition is the right word but whatever that word is like a little giveaway giveaway yeah Yeah, giveaway and we'll give away some fun stuff um coming up this fall because that would be really enjoyable and because we really appreciate like you don't understand like it's so helpful word of mouth like when you're telling other people about the podcast or when you're doing like a review, those truly help because people before they, especially because we have a podcast that's been around for so long. So a lot of times people will start listening and then they'll want to go back to the beginning and listen to everything. And so when that's the case, 
they really want to know, like, I'm getting into a podcast that I'm going to enjoy and it's going to be like a good investment of my time. So when y'all like leave those, you know, reviews and those ratings, we really, really appreciate it. It helps so much. And really at the end of the day, it just helps us get in front of other people that might benefit from listening. And that's exactly why we do this. So we really appreciate y'all doing that for us. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye.